What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm so excited to be here with you. I'm in a hotel in Dallas right now in my favorite state, so I'm super, super stoked to be out here, to be uh, spending time with my sister. Um, We just uh, went to a camp. Nevaeh got to be a camper, and I got to serve as a counselor, and it was amazing. It was so good. The Lord just moved in such big ways, and I got to watch kids get saved and baptized and and it was really awesome. Um, but today I really want to talk to you about Galatians chapter one. Um, the Lord put it on my heart to go through this book and it's been pretty solid so far. Um, I've gone through Galatians before. It's honestly one of my favorite books, but it's been a minute and, um, God's word never returns void and it is alive and active. And it's awesome to come back to a book that you haven't been in, in a while and still learn and gain things from it. Um, It's an amazing thing that is only um, able to happen because God is alive and the Holy Spirit is ready and uh, willing to teach us. So I'm going to pray. We're just going to jump right in. So Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for this day. Um, I just ask, Lord, that you'd fill us each with the Holy Spirit, that we would be able to understand your word, Lord, that you would open our eyes to see what you're doing in our lives and open our ears to hear your voice and what you're trying to tell us this morning. And so, God, I just ask, God, that um, each line of this scripture, Lord, that you would reveal to us something in ourselves that we need to give up to you, Lord, or something in ourselves that's holding us back of walking worthy of you, Lord Jesus. And um, I just ask, Lord, that each of these things, um, that they would sharpen us and make us more like you. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So Galatians is a book, um, well, more so a letter that Paul wrote. A lot of these uh, books in our New Testament are actually letters that Paul was writing to churches that he helped start, that he was a part of, um, and that he got to teach at for a little while while he was traveling around doing these missions. Um, And so... What's important to understand is that we read now our books in chapters, but you get the most out of it by reading the whole thing. These are long letters. These are big letters. Uh, There's a lot of stuff that's in there. If any of you have gone through any of Paul's letters, you know that they are just theologically rich and full of things that God uses to um, refine us. So we are going to just jump right in and start reading. We're going to go through the whole chapter. It's only 24 verses, um, but it's really solid. So let's start chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me, to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ, whom gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present age according to the will of God our Father, to whom... Be glory forever and ever. Amen. And I'm just going to stop right there because I love how Paul opens up his letters, first of all. There's always something sweet, short, and specific that he shares with whatever church he's writing to. And specifically to this church in Galatia, he says that Jesus gave himself up for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. And I think it's so special because if you really put yourself into this, Jesus gave himself up for you. He gave himself up for your unrighteousness, your unholiness, in order that you may partake in his righteousness. And the second part of that that I really love is that it says it's according to the will of 
our God and Father. So our Father in heaven allowed Jesus to give himself up for us since it was his will that Jesus would give himself up for us and that this rescue mission would take place. And to know that we have a Father in heaven who loves us so much that that was in his will all along for that rescue to happen is incredible. For him to give himself up for us is incredible. And to know that that is what they actually desired, that is what God wanted for us is so special and honestly should remind you of your value to God. He values you so much that his will, this sovereign will of God the creator and our father was that Jesus would give himself up for us and rescue us. So let's continue in verse 6. It says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. And it really hit me when I read this because he calls them out essentially for how quickly they're deserting their faith. Quickly they are living different or contrary to the grace of Jesus and turning to something different turning to, he uses a different gospel. So what I understood from this is that there's there was going around a, a different gospel, something that might have sounded correct, something that might have sounded right, but was really different and didn't have any saving power because it wasn't founded on the grace of Christ, um, which is what Paul kind of alludes to here. And then he says that people are out there throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Just like Satan did when he was tempting Jesus, he used scripture, he used half-truths or or 1% truths. But anything that isn't 100% truth is 100% a lie, even if it sounds right, even if it has scripture in it. Um, if it's not what is written in God's word, it's not right. And then I love, too, that Paul kind of warns the people here. He says, but even if we, so meaning him or or other Christians or other leaders, um, in the church, or even an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. And I could imagine that that would be a little bit difficult during that time because they didn't have the completed canon of the Bible. They didn't have Genesis through Revelation. They just had these letters that were circulating. And as you can imagine, you know, there were probably people trying to impersonate Paul. There were people trying to, you know, write things that weren't true and, and share things that weren't true. Um, and people were getting caught up in this stuff. And so Paul was explaining, you know, that that there are people and there are even angels. I mean, we see that with some of the, the false religions that are in the world. You know, Mormonism and um, Islam both started because an angel of the Lord came to a human being and said, Hey, this is actually the correct way of worshiping God. This is actually the truth. And this is exactly what Paul is warning against. But as I was saying, it, it must have been very difficult for people in this time because they really just had the Old Testament and they had to kind of fight and battle against the things that were circulating um, that weren't truthful. But we are blessed in the fact that we've had this um, this Bible, the, the full Bible put together for so long, perfectly put together by the Holy Spirit. And so if someone else or an angel even comes to you 
or comes to people around you or a church leader and they're preaching this to you and they say something that isn't true, you just have to go back to God's word and search the scriptures. And if it doesn't align, then it's not true. And that is kind of a tool that God has given us in order to stay on the right path because it is so easy to fall away. It is so easy to get caught up in things that sound like they might be true, but really aren't. And that's exactly why Paul is writing this is because he is, he's calling them out essentially and just saying, you are so quick to desert the, the truth, to go back to ways that you shouldn't be going back to. And, and it's true for us as well. So let's continue. Uh, verse nine, as we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. And I remember when I first read this verse and it really, really hit me because I used to be a people pleaser. I used to just want everybody to always be happy with me. I wanted to make sure that I always you know, was in good standing with people. I wanted to make sure that um, people cared about me, that I was popular, that I was liked. And as the Lord was bringing me closer to him and it all kind of came together when I was a sophomore in high school, I had to realize that it doesn't matter what my friends think about me. It doesn't matter what my teachers thought about me. It doesn't matter what, you know, random people across campus or, or in friend circles who may not even know me personally think about me. It doesn't even matter what my parents think about me. It matters what God thinks about me. And am I living up to, you know, what God is calling me to do? Am I relying on Jesus to help me to walk by faith and not by sight? Am I allowing the Lord to remove things in me that are not of him and shape me into um, the image of his son, Jesus? Am I letting him do that? Or am I sitting here trying to go day by day, let me dress in a way that will make people think that I look good. Let me talk in a way that will make people think that I'm intelligent or funny or whatever. Whatever it is that we try to do, we have to ask ourselves, who are we actually trying to please? And who are we trying to win the approval of? Because people-pleasing is not an attribute of a wholehearted servant of the Lord. And the Lord really reminded me through the scriptures, you know, we need to use the efforts that, that we strive with to try and think about or desire the approval of others and put all of that towards pleasing the Lord in every way. With our thoughts our actions, our desires, literally every fiber of our being. We need to put those efforts that we've used either in the past or even in the current moment of trying to please people and put that towards trying to please Jesus, to put that towards spending time in God's word, put that towards, um, you know, letting God's word transform your mind. Romans twelve two talks about that to not be conformed to the pattern of this world. And the pattern of this world is people-pleasing. It is trying to win the approval of human beings and be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may know what God's pleasing and perfect will is. It helps us grow in our relationship with the Lord. It helps us know God more when we spend time in prayer and in His Word and our minds are transformed. And that happens when we take effort away from things of this world that are calling for our attention, that we're putting forth effort into that don't align with scripture. And we flip-flop that and put it towards our relationship with Jesus and focusing on him and him alone. So let's go down to verse 11. 
Um, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. And I'm just going to stop there for two reasons. One, this is also about you. God has set his people, Christians, apart and called us by his grace. It is by grace you have been saved, by faith in Jesus Christ alone. There is no works that you could do to earn your salvation. Jesus did all of this because of his grace and mercy upon us and for his love. And he did that so that his son could be revealed to us. It actually, it says right here that it, it pleased God to reveal Jesus to us. It pleased him because what, 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 what did we read at the top in verse 4? That it was according to the will of God that Jesus would be given up for our sins and that we would be rescued. So God has used that grace and in, in fulfilled his will in his pleasure to reveal Jesus Christ to us because of this grace and because he set us apart. And then jumping down to verse 16, I I thought that this was a very um, practical thing for us as humans. You know, in light of the fact that God called us by his grace, in light of the fact that it was his good pleasure to reveal Jesus, in light of the fact that it was God's will to save us because he loves us, Paul talks about how his immediate response was not to consult any human being when he was called when he was set apart for this mission, when he did realize that his life was for Jesus and not for himself and not for other people, his immediate response was not to consult any human being. And how many times in our own lives do we go and consult our friends or our parents or our siblings or whoever because we need advice or we're going through something difficult? But here Paul's reminding us through his own actions that our immediate response should be to go to God and not consult in any human being. We should go and pray, seek the scriptures, then go to godly wise counsel, not just anybody. But I think if we really did a better job, and I know this is true of myself, um, did a better job of going to the Lord first in everything. You know, hey, I'm having a bad day, Lord Jesus. I'm not going to go spew why I'm having a bad day to anybody else, but I'm going to trust you and I'm going to surrender this at your feet. Imagine if we did that, what our lives would look like. If we did that, our lives would look significantly different, I guarantee it. Because that is fostering and cultivating your relationship with the Lord, you're going to the one who actually has power to work in your circumstances and to use everything for your good and your glory. Your parents' abilities are limited. Your friends' abilities are limited. There's only so much they can do to help your situation. There's only so much they can do to comfort you, but God is the God of all comfort. And he could be with us in whatever situation we're going through. 
and we need to go to him first. So I just, I love that. But let's continue. Verse 17, I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went to Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas, a.k.a. Peter, and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I'm writing you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. And so just to end this little mini devotional this morning, I just want to talk about this last, these last two verses. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they praised God because of me. I think it's such a beautiful thing when us as Christians, you know, finally sink into this idea of humility and allowing the power of God to work so powerfully and so fruitfully in our lives that even people who don't personally know you can speak of what God is doing in you and through you. And that should be a goal of ours, you know, in uh, bringing that together with what we talked about in verse 10 of trying to please, please God or please people. When we truly try to please the Lord and we surrender our life to him and we allow him to be at work in us, what we're going to start to see is fruit being bore or bare whatever the word is there in our lives. And this fruit's going to start popping up everywhere. We're going to be more patient with people. We're going to have self-control to say no to the things of the world and say yes to the things of God. We're going to have boldness and courage and to walk into the things that the Lord has for us. And I love verse 24, and they praised God because of me. Let what you do be a catalyst of praise for God. Let God work so powerfully through you that people who don't know you can look at your life and say, wow, God is at work there. And that doesn't mean you need to walk perfectly. That is not pressure to live perfect lives, to be sinless. No, no, no. It is instead a call to let God work through you to surrender things to the Lord and to daily carry your cross and follow Jesus being willing to say no to things he's calling us to say no to and say yes to the things he's saying he's calling us to say yes to. So I just want to leave you with that. I would encourage you guys to go read uh, Galatians for yourselves, to pray through it, to allow the Lord to reveal to you what he wants to say to you, and to continue to walk with Jesus. Have a great day!